0: Aristotle once said, friendship is essentially a partnership. Keep this in mind as we discussed today, China's public declaration of, it, of its support of Russia and what does it mean for the global geopolitical landscape. My name is Dr. David Waradog.
1: And my name is Dr. Ross Stewart.
0: And you are watching Geopolitics in Conflict.
1: The world's largest oil producer, Saudi Arabia, is reportedly asking to join BRICS. Saudi Arabia, it wants to be a part of BRICS, a
0: block of five major emerging economies, including China and Russia. Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin are increasingly forming an authoritarian alliance what unites them, mutual animosity towards the United States. A sign that both leaders desire to reinforce a personal friendship that has brought the two countries closer than
1: ever. Do you see a possibility of these two leaders actually dictating the direction, the global direction? Good to see you, Ross. Nice to see you too, David. You know, all the interesting things going on in the planet right now, we pretty well decided at at the top of the list, or near the top of the list, is the relationship between Russia and China and how China has made a declaration of support for Russia. I'm mean, I,
0: I mean, uh, indeed, <laughs> I'm like losing words here. <laughs> indeed, Russia, because it's very significant. Oh What's boy, significant it? about it is that it was. It was an official statement. Yes. As a matter of fact, this was born out of the phone call between uh, the foreign minister, Wani, yeah. and his counterpart, the Russian counterpart, uh, Sergei Lavrov, in which both they talked and on a phone, and the, the two sides pledged to strengthen bilateral ties and provide more stability to the
1: world. Huh. You know, this, is, this story is so fascinating. Historically... Russia and China have had a few bumping of heads. They did, indeed. Over any number of topics, including land, mm-hmm. territory. And then Chairman Mao, the former head of, before he's passed, he was yeah. the head of the Chinese Communist Party in China, he established a working relationship with the Soviet Union. And they considered him little brother because they couldn't take China too seriously because of the amount of poverty. But as China grew to be a world power, They started taking it very seriously. And then we see the development of the friendship, I mean, it looked like genuine friendship between Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin. And then we see all kinds of animosities disappear and cooperation occurring. And now it's really reached the pinnacle.
0: Yeah, and the question that you need to ask yourself is, was this friendship born out of necessity? It's because it's a fair question to ask. It is. Because we have to take into consideration the global dynamics of what's going on. No. And this is, to me, it's not surprise surprising when I heard about, when I read about, rather, uh, and I read the transcript, by the way, of the phone call uh, between, uh, when, it was public domain, if you know where to look at. You know, that's what surprised me the most. Because here is the thing, the statements from uh, the foreign ministry in China uh, that China will firmly support the Russian side to overcome difficulties to achieve the strategic goal of development and
1: strengthen Russia's status as great power." End of quote. The implications of this are huge. We're going to, maybe we can start with the Ukraine. Sure. Are they going to support Moscow's view of the Ukraine and what they're doing? Well according to the statement they certainly are. They are. They're now out in the open saying we support it.
0: Yeah. But also, this is also a reflection of the shift that is taking place on the geopolitical landscape. The West is not willing to accept or admit that the world is changing, or has been changing. You know, it's just a matter of time. They're still thinking into the old mindset that, no, you still have the one superpower, unipolar that is, after the fall of the uh, Soviet Union in 1991.
1: David, have you ever heard of something called consensual validation?
0: I don't know what is that.
1: <laughs> That's psychological term. Yeah, psychological right? What is it, Ross? I'd
0: like to know. I'd like to know. I'd like to learn.
1: We disregard all the facts on something, and we vote on what reality is. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, take a look at what's going on in Washington, D.C. right now. Yeah. The facts are China, Russia, the U.S. dollar stop is is in free fall in terms of hegemony. The United States does not dictate everything that goes on in the world anymore, yeah. but they're acting as if it does. Yeah, you're right. That's consensual validation. We all vote on it. God forbid anyone would bring any information in on it. We've already made up our minds of what's real and what's yeah. not.
0: So this is why Washington is not gonna like if you tell them the truth that, hey, the world is changing and you need to restructure
1: your foreign policy. We know that any number of very smart people in the government are telling Congress and, and the executive branch, this has changed, yeah. and they're not listening because it doesn't fit the consensual validation reality that they've put together. So here we have Moscow and Beijing have now been subjected to sanctions. sanctions. Yeah. What's the implication of that? Well, among other things, it's going to drive them together.
0: Which already they now, did,
1: yes. We now have a common adversary. Yeah, It's called the United States. And the sanctions don't seem to be working very well.
0: Well, because they're working on creating a, an alternative to the dollar. As a matter of fact, we did a video, uh, I'm sure we re- will be releasing it by now, you'll see it, uh, that even Saudi Arabia, a stunned US ally, is now considering joining BRICS. And if he joins BRICS, we all know what it means. First of all, get rid of the petrodollar. That doesn't mean the dollar would drop completely from the Saudis' transactions with the U.S. No, no, no. It's just in the energy field. And second, it will mean that you have Saudi Arabia and Russia, top oil producers in the world, in the same club with the top consumer markets of India and China.
1: This is where those changes are coming. These changes are nothing short of stunning. And it isn't that it has... The handwriting has been on the wall for anyone who wants to read it for quite some time. Exactly. You know, the first time I heard this was 1975. Wow. A forward-thinker, geopolitical expert, said, this is what's coming. We cannot stop it, but we can adapt to it. Yeah. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Yeah.
0: Well, this this is a valid point, Ross. It's because, also, when we talk about the petrodollar being dropped... We're not saying, saying it's going to be dropped tomorrow. Right. No, 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 no. This is going to take time because even for the BRICS—the Brazil, Russia, India, China, and and, and South Africa—they have to build a financial infrastructure to sustain and manage this new conversion of the transactions.
1: And it takes time. It takes time. You know. And even though it's been in the works for a while, it's not fully launched. But we can expect it any time. How, what, what estimate time rise would you put on this?
0: i probably put it within the decade. Okay. Within a decade, you'll be seeing change. And now you take into consideration even, and this is what I always say, and I'm sure you've heard me saying this before, uh, you look for trends, look for the trends, because trends gives you an idea as to what lies ahead and what's coming. What am I referring to here? With all what we just mentioned, you have to take into consideration now that Lula da Silva in Brazil won yeah. the elections. What is he calling for? A single currency in Latin America. You can just see where the trends are headed. Yeah. You think about, we did a video on this, about the BRICS amassing massive amount of gold. Well, even Western central banks, as of today, they are amassing about 400 tons of gold that is worth about $20 billion, which is nothing, basically it's fraction when it comes down to the global market. Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. But this is an indication of where the trends are headed. And this is where we need to put this statement of, the, of China, a public statements about its support for Russia within the global context.
1: You know, another factor with this is yeah. Xi Jinping has just been voted for... Oh, that's another one. You're right. Perhaps ...lifetime. Yeah. Well, what did Vladimir Putin get? Perhaps lifetime. lifetime. Yeah. So these people are looking forward to a future together... And in spite of what the backdrop of political controversy is in China or in Moscow, uh, these two leaders look like their friendship is going to continue for quite some time.
0: It looks that way, Ross. And I know for us in the West, we have the term limits. Not term limits, but president serves only two terms. <coughs> but uh, this is different because it's a different system in yeah. both China and Russia. And if their population wants stability with those leaders, then be it, you know. I wish we had a leader uh, that can, you know, serve the people. You know, I don't mind. I'll vote for, for the guy or the gal, for whatever, as long as he or she is serving the interest of the people. But we don't have those kind of leaders. You know, all of a sudden we are judging this and that. You know, if that is what the Russian people or the Chinese people, and we're not advocating for Russia or China here. Absolutely just, not. No, we're just stating the facts. <clears throat> and I know in the West, some do
1: not like hearing the truth. You know, one of the things, you know, I, I, I follow this as an all-day, all every-day adventure. Yeah. I see the, the thinking of, well, Xi Jinping needs to be the perfect leader, and China has to have no corruption, or they're bad. Cut me a break. Yeah. Consultations in major corporations. Uh, they're looking at vision, mission, values, and practices. And then I get involved with the people who are actually on the on the street doing the job. Yeah. And the amount of corruption that goes on and so on is just what people do. And so Xi Jinping, he has a major campaign against it, but is he going to wipe out the corruption, which is rampant in China? No. No. Yeah. Vladimir Putin, but he does have the reputation of he has done a lot, yeah. perhaps more than any other single leader since, well, for good. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me, I'm thinking of Mao Zedong did a lot too, but that's that's another story. That's
0: another story. Yeah.
1: And Vladimir Putin, I was just talking to a Russian friend uh, a Monday a week ago who just returned from Moscow, and she said, the Russian people are completely supporting him. And it's common, she said, you know, one person you don't know what the what the truth is. Yeah. But she said it was. Con- she, she's a Russian citizen. She said it's it's a common understanding that how the the war, the conflict in Ukraine is going to resolve. It's already done. They already have it all figured out, and the Russian people really support the upping of the ante here. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Well, I recall too when I did some uh, private presentations, you know, a few months ago way back actually, uh, uh, and I talked about, I was asked to talk about where do we see uh, Asia moving forward, especially China, do you oh, want yeah. to know about China? And that was specifically about that topic, and I addressed it in a way that you know, I kind of didn't shy away from, letting them know the truth, you know. I am not here to present to you what you want to hear. You know, you asked me to come to this private event to give you a presentation, You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, you know. Right. (laughs) They they appreciated it at the end. They realized, you know, this is somebody we need to listen to. Why? Because I put the facts on the table and argued that, you know, in a matter of time, you will be looking within that change of the global system, you're looking at alliances re-emerging from a corner you never expected. And in this case, my reference was to China and Russia, given their old history that they put aside because now they have a common objective because they can reshape and they are reshaping the global order.
1: About time. Yeah, you know.
0: You know what I wish, Ross? I wish that it would be the same for uh, India and China.
1: Oh, yes. I
0: wish India and China can work out their differences once for all regarding this border issue. If there are issues there and, and be done with it because and I, this is my personal opinion, that if that issue is not resolved or had, at least having an honest conversation, it's going to hinder the progress of BRICS in this case or the bilateral relations between China and
1: India. In a recent conversation with a major general in the Indian Army, mm. he said, here's, here's the situation. We don't trust the Chinese and we think they're land grabbers. Well, whether well, that's true or not true. And he said, but part of the history is we sometimes get along really well and sometimes we don't. And we're currently in a situation where we don't. Yeah. They're Going back and forth, back and forth. And we take a look at, at the land that's involved and it doesn't seem that important, but it is to them. To them, yeah. So I hope they work
0: that out uh, yeah. as soon as possible because here's the thing, uh, and we will share this with you. Uh, I just came across a study I look at certain uh, trends within the next fifty years that's usually how far I go mm-hmm. and and one of them that it came we may do a video on it or not we'll see down the road but the prediction is that u s will be ranked third economically after and,
1: China and India well it makes sense when you even look at the population size yeah um, I mean three hundred forty million versus one point three billion versus four, 1.4 is,
0: and one point Four in, I think, in 1.2 in India and 1.4. Well, in the, new, the new something stuff. like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Government analysis. Well, here's
0: the thing about the, uh, the sort of we can use the term alliance between Russia and China, what it means for the future. <laughs> it could provide some sort of both countries the right platform on which to further their strategic interests. Now, the question that always comes up it has to do with. Can they turn this alliance into a military one?
1: Because they haven't to this point.
0: No, they only do in joint military exercises. That's, that's a good one. That's but, a good start. <laughs> yeah, but the military alliance in the sense of we're talking about a treaty, I don't see that happening at this time. They could, they could do it later, possibly.
1: Well, I understand China's been really reluctant to do that.
0: I can tell you why. Because even Russia will be hesitant to do that. We're talking about military secrets. Oh,
1: and that's sharing because them. Because
0: you're going to have to expose certain... But we, even for us here in the U.S., we have some technologies in the military, we have that stuff uh, nobody knows about. And those will not, never be disclosed. Uh, I'm kind of aware of some, but they will never be disclosed because that's just how it is. So China and Russia will be operating from that perspective. That's the way I see it.
1: You know, trust only goes so far.
0: You're right, Yeah
1: and some new leadership takes over in Russia or in China, and they're not as friendly as these two people, as that Putin yeah. and Xi Jinping. Yeah.
0: Well, one thing for sure, Ross, is that the Russia-China partnership will further precipitate the change in the global order. Because this, to me personally, and this is my personal opinion, is a reflection of the, that shifting global order from a unipolar to a multipolar. If China comes forward, publicly and announce its support, that means they feel confident enough to realize the global order has shifted. It's okay for us now to come forward and
1: say. You know, as I've been talking to people who have been in the past relatively, or completely uninterested, Mm -hmm. (laughs) all the way ranging from relatively to completely uninterested in what's going on geopolitically worldwide, they're interested for the very first time because they can no longer stay disassociated. They're Mm -hmm. seeing the impact that it has on them. Well, yeah, because geopolitics impacts. As I was driving to the studio today, yeah. I, there was a line of cars, mm-hmm. 500 yards long, wow. maybe a little longer. And I, as I was passing it, I saw free food, wow. 500 yards of cars lined up to get free food in America. I tell you, it grabbed me right by the throat when I saw it, mm. going, this is getting people's attention. And I'm glad they're waking up because there's a number of political decisions that have to be made here so that we, the people, really start to benefit. Yeah. Because right now, we're not.
0: Yeah. Well, you look at it right now with the US uh, making plans to build a location in Australia in which to deploy six B 52s nuclear bombers. What for? What for? What for? But I can, as if I am to put my geopolitical analyst head, I can tell you the preparation for the next conflict with China. That's the way I look at it. But also this leads me to mention, could China also has its own calculations by declaring this support for Russia publicly to ensure that Russia will be in support of China in case there is a Taiwan conflict? That's how I, That's how I see it moving. I could be wrong, but usually... I'll, I'll look for different sources and ensure before I say something like this. And I came to the conclusion that that is one of the reasons why China did that. They want to secure the support of Russia, just in case.
1: Well, I think it's, as I've been watching this and making my own predictions, yeah, I say it's going to hit the fan with Taiwan sooner than later. I think so. And so for China to make this public announcement of supporting the Ukraine conflict, Yeah. what what are they getting in return? One of them is, we're going to support you in the Taiwan issue.
0: Exactly, yeah. And it will have to be resolved at some point. China cannot drag this forever. I don't see them dragging it forever.
1: And, you know, I I know I'm a broken record on this. The dignity of China, in Xi Jinping's eyes, is at stake here with the Taiwan issue. And you go, the dignity of China? It's a big deal. It is. Right. Oh, that's why I
0: wonder. Remember when we did the video about the 20th Congress and so forth, we oh, yeah. talked about uh, if President Xi wins the third term, we <laughs> were thinking in terms, the one thing you're going to be looking at is the U.S.-China relations moving forward. You know, now we know, of course, he has won, been granted the third term. And to me, this is an indication for what lies ahead also for U.S.-China relations you know. There is another aspect that I would like to mention also that uh, even this friendship and partnership between Russia and China, there's still some issues there between the two. It has nothing to do with the border. It has to do with the strategic interest in Central Asia. Remember the Euro, Asia? Oh, yeah. And the, that one in both because the BRI, the Belt and Road Initiative pathway goes through there. Russia also has an interest in that part of the world. And if you look at history... Throughout history, major powers had to control the Euro-Asia part. And the major powers that lost power around the world, because they lost control of the Euro-Asia. But I am sure they will come to an understanding to work out their differences. Well, one thing for sure, uh, that this uh, rapprochement between Russia and China will not bode well for Washington. (laughs) (laughs) That I know for a fact. And given that our foreign policy, it's really fragmented. It has been fragmented for the last 30 years because we didn't have any strategy per se. We just react to events. And when you have people in Washington, I worked in Washington, so I was around that. uh, You don't have sort of qualified individuals to understand or who understand the depth of what geopolitics is all about.
1: So... And, and even those that do don't seem to have much muscle in terms of making their views known and influencing the decision-makers, who seem to be influenced by some other outside groups. Indeed,
0: because the decisions in Washington are made behind closed doors. Not even the president of the United States can dictate.
1: Any final thoughts, Russ, before we close this out? I just have one, and I don't quite know where, to, where it fits in, but I've been just say so it, whatever. Much, so much about it. <laughs> you know, we take a look at Xi Jinping showing his team mm-hmm. and how it surprised any number of people. And <clears throat> what he did is he, had a, he put his loyalists in place mm-hmm. who the public has said, well, they're not the most qualified for the job. Well, when I looked at that, I looked at the corporate consulting I've done over the last 20 years. I looked at getting, if you're the CEO of an organization, getting anything done is challenging. For one thing, you have too little information about the marketplace. The people that you're actually working with, mm-hmm. some are at odds, directly at odds with you. Some want your job. I mean, and you say, "I'll take the the devils that I know that I can that will I can believe in who will support me to the devils that are opposed to me." And that that ensured, and I saw it in any number of companies, big companies, that they got were able to get a lot more done. With lesser players. Wow. I'll give you an example. There is a, we looked at doing a, a major consulting project for a public utility company that was going through a, a number of changes. We took a look at it, and what the board of directors of that utility company had done is they put a bunch of tigers in hmm. who were highly competitive, <clears throat> um, did power grabbing, and had their own opinions about everything. And what they did is they were, start, were taking the company to, to ruin. We did a, an hour of analysis and backed away from any project with them. We said, there's no place to win here. This is, this is a disaster because the, there's no consensus of who's the leader. Well, Xi Jinping put himself in as leader and surrounded himself by people who salute. Wow. Oh, I just had to, yeah. <laughs> whether we use that or not, I just looked at how the things really get done in the world because yeah. it's complicated.
0: You're right. Plus, it's a different culture. Uh, the West does not understand how the Chinese think oh. or the Russians think or whatever, but they are influenced by their own history.
1: Yeah, oh boy, it's are they ever.
0: Big time. And, and we are new. 200 plus years, it's not long enough in comparison to...
1: To 5,000 years of continuous right. history.
0: You're right. Well, as always, remember geopolitics influence
1: global order in more ways than one. Till next time, guys. Bye-bye.